Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, beginning with verse 12. Let us listen for and hear God's holy word. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May your good news come, O Lord, not only in the word spoken, but in and through the power of your Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Amen. Tell the truth, but tell it slant. That's what Emily Dickinson says. Tell the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies, the truth must dazzle gradually, or every man be blind. According to Dickinson, you tell the truth best when you tell it slant, circuitously, roundabout. These are words I kept in mind this week as I worked on this sermon. This is the week the church reflects, as I mentioned on the one triune God, whom we alone worship and serve as one of our most recent Presbyterian creeds proclaims. Today is the day that we acknowledge God as Holy Trinity, three in one and one in three. Perhaps your first thought is this cannot begin, that you cannot begin to wrap your mind around what it means, God as Trinity. And that's not a bad response because you're certainly not alone. The idea of the Trinity leaves most of us scratching our heads, at least in part because we mainline Protestants have never been quite sure what to do with the Holy Spirit. Here's a story that I read this week. It seems that the three persons of the Trinity were making vacation plans and discussing amongst themselves where they might go. I think I'll go to the Canadian Rockies this year, God, the creator said. I haven't been there in a while, and I'd like to revisit my wonder of my creation. I'm going back to the land of my birth, Jesus said. There's been a lot of trouble in recent years, and I'd like to go and see for myself how things are going. Well, announced the Holy Spirit, I've decided that this year I want to spend my vacation in a place where I've never been before. So I'm planning to spend my entire summer visiting Presbyterian churches. (laughs) We chuckle, but it's likely a nervous chuckle. Because despite all our creedal affirmations, we know that we Presbyterian types are a bit uncomfortable when it comes to the Holy Spirit. That uneasiness about the Holy Spirit in particular bleeds over into a vague uncertainty about the Trinity in general, which makes it hard to know what to do with Trinity Sunday. Compound that difficulty with the fact that today is the one day 
on the liturgical calendar when what we're celebrating is not an event or a person, but it's a doctrine, an idea. And to be honest, the word doctrine doesn't exactly touch the deepest yearnings of our souls. One preacher describes doctrine in terms of her feelings about Brussels sprouts. I know that Brussels sprouts are full of things that my body needs, she says. I know I ought to want to eat them when they're placed before me, and I will eat them, but they don't thrill my soul. It's like that with doctrine, right? No doctrine has ever gotten me through a personal crisis or comforted me through a dark night of the soul or filled me or filled the empty space inside of me that longs for God. But the life of the mind is a gift from God as well. And doctrines help the church think about and give voice to the truth as we know it through faith. And it's fair to say that In the long history of the Christian church, with all its esteemed scholars and theologians and teachers, we've spent a lot of time thinking about the truth that we know by faith. But it's also fair to say that in the long history of the Christian church, no one has yet managed to grasp the doctrine of the Trinity entirely, nor for that matter has anyone managed to do justice with an explanation. Tell the truth, but tell it slant. The Godhead is a mystery, and the direct approach simply will not work. Not to say that we haven't tried. St. Augustine, one of the great theologians of the Western world, tasked himself with thinking about the Trinity. He thought for a good long while, and then he started writing. And then he wrote some more, and he kept writing. And in the end, it took Augustine 15 volumes and more than a decade to write a series of books entitled On the Trinity. And after 15 volumes, here's what he came up with. Seven condensed statements about the nature of God. One, the Father is God. Two, the Son is God. Three, the Holy Spirit is God. Four, The Son is not the Father. Five, the Father is not the Holy Spirit. Six, the Holy Spirit is not the Son. And then after those six statements, Augustine ends with one more, seven. There is only one God. So you see the problem. Why does one God need three names? How does one God inhabit three forms? How can God be both three and one. Early on in my ministry, when I was working with youth, I had the privilege every summer of taking a group of middle schoolers on a mission trip to Charlotte, North Carolina, for one week of service. Each evening, after long days of hard work, we'd have these wonderful worship services and thoughtful messages that often led to deep and insightful conversations late at night after the lights were out. Toward the end of one of those weeks, one of the boys in our bunk room said he had a question he'd been thinking about and asked if he could talk with me. Sure, I said, what's up? I've been wondering, he said, how can Jesus be God and be God's son at the same time? Great question, right? 
I took a deep breath and launched into the most straightforward, basic explanation of the Trinity I could muster, much like what I just attempted here a few minutes ago. When I finished, I looked at him and said, does that make sense? Is it helpful? No, he said. But that's okay. I asked the last minister and she didn't know either. (laughs) Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. Who are these people? How can God the Father be his own son? And if Jesus is God, then how can he be God's son? And where does the Holy Spirit fit into all of that? There are orthodox answers to all of these questions, none of which have ever been quite entirely satisfying to me, or I suspect to you either. The truth is that the best we end up with are human efforts to describe something that we can never describe. That is, the true nature of God. We might be better off if we just left the subject alone altogether. In one of his books, the late theologian Robert Ferrer Kappen says that when human beings try to describe God, we're like a bunch of oysters trying to describe a ballerina. We simply do not have the equipment to understand something utterly beyond us. And not to say that we haven't tried. The prophets tried. The apostle Paul tried. John, the gospel writer, tried. Mark Jarman, a poet and English professor emeritus emeritus at Vanderbilt, has written a poem entitled Unholy Sonnet Number 1 which calls attention to our awkward attempts to describe God. He writes, Dear God, O heavenly Father, gracious Lord, mother love and maker love divine, atomic fingertip, cosmic design, first letter of the alphabet, last word, mutual satisfaction, cash award, auditor who approves our bottom line, examiner who says that we are fine, oasis, that all, sa- all sands are running toward. I can say almost anything about you, oh big idea, and with each epithet, create new reasons to believe or doubt you. Black hole, white hole, presidential jet. But what's the anything I must leave out? You. Solve nothing but the problems that I set. I love the line, I can say almost anything about you, oh big idea. Believers through the centuries have tried to say a lot of things about God, but have almost never been satisfied with the results. Words turn out to be too frail to do the job. Human beings cannot paint a true picture of God because creatures cannot capture their creator any better than a bed of oysters can try to dance Swan Lake. If you think you understand it, Augustine says, it isn't God. We preachers are certainly the worst about feeling the need to explain what all of this means, and we tie ourselves in knots trying to do so. The Trinity is like three leaves of a shamrock or like an apple, which is at the same time tree, fruit, and seed, 
And as Meredith reminded me on Tuesday, it's like an egg, yolk, white, shell, or H2O, ice, water, and steam. In the end, approaches like that are overly simplistic and ultimately unhelpful. Trying to boil down the great mystery of God into an analogy or a formula or a puzzle to be solved, which, Mark Pace reminded me, almost always leads us straight to heresy. So tell the truth, but tell it slant. Our best bet is to give up trying to describe God and try instead to describe what the experience of God is like, how it sounds, how it feels, what it reminds us of. What does it feel like to be in the presence of God? The problem is that is rarely the same twice in a row. Some days, God comes as judge, walking through our lives wearing, wearing white gloves and exposing all the mess. Others days, God comes as shepherd, fending off our enemies and leading us to greener pastures. Some days, God comes as a whirlwind, blowing all our certainties away. Other days, God is a brooding hen who hides us under the shelter of her wing. And the list goes on and on. God the teacher, God the challenger, God the helper, the stranger, the lover, the adversary, God the yes, and God the no. The mystery is that God comes to us in all kinds of ways, as different from one another as you can imagine. The other mystery is that God is one. The fierce God and the loving God, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New. The Lord seated high on the throne and the hillside preacher promising God's presence. The God with, st- with scars you can touch and feel and the wind that blows wherever it will. One God, three persons. So the next time someone asks the tough question, don't worry about whether or not you can spout out the right doctrine. Don't worry about using proper theological jargon. Just tell them what God has done for you. When you have known God's love, what it feels like to be wrapped in the embrace of the Holy Spirit, where you've seen the risen Christ. Tell the truth but tell it slant. In the name of the God who created us, the Christ who claims us, and the Holy Spirit who breathes new life into us, now and forever and ever. Amen.